What, you have a podcast? I can't let you do that, Kyle. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Recovery from Politics Podcast. My name is Kyle Frame. I'm your host, and today is Monday, September 12th, 2022. Um, I want to begin by explaining the what's and whys of this podcast. I've been on hiatus for most of this year um, for two reasons. The first is that I am an alcoholic and a type 2 diabetic. I link those two together uh, because I believe one hastened the other, and they both work together to affect my ability to think. Um, Having a high blood sugar gives me what's sometimes referred to as brain fog. When I do not have brain fog, I am able to absorb news, retain what I've taken in, and then to critically analyze that information. In essence, I'm kind of able to access my superpower. When I'm at peak efficiency, I see everything. I have had so many people, managers, in my past, like mention, like, holy crap, you see everything. Um, I connect stories in ways that others sometimes don't see, you know? Like, I can see the big picture, but I can also connect it to something else that somebody's not paying attention to and turn it into something unique and bring about a different perspective. When my blood sugar is high, I cannot do that. I fall into the same trap as most of my fellow Americans these days. Um, I can't get past the headlines and the Twitter hot takes. And I'm not disparaging the Twitter medium. Um, We should see social media as the beginning of knowledge. Uh, Too often, we see what is given, and we stop there. We take it at face value. We stop questioning, and we certainly don't research to confirm or deny uh, what is being put out. Um, I see social media as a beginning. It's... uh, you know, you, you see a headline, you see a hot take, and then you're like, oh, and you actually do read the article that it links. Or perhaps you do a search for your own information to see what your trusted sources are on that topic. And, you know, if need be, you go to Wikipedia and you're like, I've never heard of that country. I don't know what's going on there. Maybe I'll look into it. Or this is a new term that I'm just unaware of. And you actually do research on it. And you can you can see this Um in America right now where we don't all agree on the same definitions of things. (laughs) Um, Like if you ask somebody on the left side of the political spectrum what woke means, you're going to get a completely different definition of it if you ask somebody on the MAGA right. Because nobody has really done the research as to what they are. There are very few people who actually understand that and that is not because those people are supremely intelligent or experts on the subject it's just they bothered to you know look up what everything means um my bigger problem that prevents a resolution of the diabetes is my alcoholism i have been struggling with this for the better part of a decade uh things like this come on grad gradually and then 
all at once. By the time you realize what's going on, the damage has been done. First, you don't know you're in it. Then you realize something's wrong, but you deny that you're abusing a substance. You actively work, really work, at finding any and all outside reasons to justify what you're doing. Finally, internally, you admit you have an issue. You don't want to admit it to other people. This is something we all do. We all keep secrets uh, from other people. We admit things to ourselves. Sometimes even things that everyone can plainly see, but we still don't want to say it. So you try to deal with it yourself. You try to be strong and resolve it, and then you fail. And you're unsure why you failed, it doesn't make sense. Uh, so you try again, and you fail again, and then you're confused again. Try again, fail again, confused again. And you'll have bouts of success sometimes, a weekend, five days, maybe two weeks. Then it all starts over again. You're confused the entire time. And it, you're confused because it's, it's good to be sober. You can tell the difference. You, you like being sober. Your friends, family, coworkers all like you being sober. It's such a drastic dichotomy. It's, it's insane. And then, without warning, nothing happens. You didn't have a bad day. No one and nothing triggered you. Just out of nowhere, you're at a cashier buying alcohol. And my internal monologue was always the same. Stop. 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 What are you doing? You don't have to do this. You don't even like doing this. But it doesn't matter. I was not in control. This happens over and over again. Quit. Success. Failure. Repeat. All the while, your health declines, your friends stop calling, your family looks at you with disgust, and you try to explain it occasionally, but no one seems to understand. Those on the outside looking in start judging. They worry. You keep trying. You keep promising. You keep letting them down. And this all feeds into an emptiness inside. You're a piece of garbage. You're losing. You're alone. 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 And there's this misconception that addicts abuse their substance of choice to fill some hole in their hearts. That was not true for me. I drank to forget the hole even existed. That internal monologue I mentioned before, uh, the one asking all the questions, the one telling me I'm a rotten human being, incapable and unworthy of love and understanding, that voice shuts up when I'm drinking. Alcohol is quick, easy, and effective. It is effective. And it shuts up that voice. 
one day, eventually, you're in a hospital. Some of us just wake up there. Some of us are taken there. I volunteered myself. I was in detox for five nights. I witnessed the full range of conditions. There was one patient I didn't see get out of their bed the entire five days. I saw some people incapable of controlling their bowels. I saw my own worst hangover times a thousand. I saw my future. And make no mistake, even though I was on the low end of the spectrum as far as who was having real trouble there, I very much belonged there. You know. I met people on their fifth visit to detox in just the last two months. And it wasn't all the patients. I met nurses and psychiatrists who were kind and professional. And I met doctors and nurses who looked at us with disdain and openly treated us like we were beneath them. Some of them stole from us. On one occasion, they intentionally over-medicated the entire ward to make sure it would be a quiet night for them. I checked myself out the next morning. I have spent the last 52 days sober. I've been going to meetings. I'm still trying to piece together what went wrong. Everyone assures me I'll be doing this for the rest of my life. Men and women with 40, 50, or in one case 60 years sober are still trying to answer the exact same questions that I have. I'm coming back to this podcast with a new perspective and new lessons learned, but this was all just one obstacle to me returning. Now that I have a little handle on myself, I still had to decide what I wanted this show to be. There are thousands of politics podcasts. What did I want mine to be about? And I'll talk about that in a second. All right, welcome back. Um, so this next segment is going to be a little more uh, unscripted, off the cuff. Um, the last one was scripted just because I wanted to make sure um, with such a sensitive topic that I really wanted to hit all the notes, say the correct things. I mean, it's it's one of those things. It can be triggering, so you got to be careful with that. Um, so I wanted to make sure that I, you know, said everything I needed to say and all that. So the second part of this uh, problem, the reason I've been off is also kind of a bit of a, I guess, existential crisis for the podcast and also a little bit for myself in regards to what I want this podcast to be and what I want to be as a human being. So, you know, the whole point of this thing was originally to try and put out a rational kind of um, podcast about politics, you know, this is supposed to be recovery from politics. Politics as we know it in the United States is very broken. It's toxic. It's dysfunctional. It's not working as it should be, um, for various reasons. And then this, this show was supposed to be kind of, um, an antidote to that to some degree. And for a very long while there, and still to some degree in the back of my head, I didn't think that's the direction the show should go. 
any further. Um, I thought we should embrace something a little more along the lines of what a MAGA left would look like. Um, there are there are plenty of people who do that, but I don't know of any pod politics shows that really take what the MAGA right does and kind of weaponize it here on the left. And for example, um, I have this extreme problem. Um, it gets my blood boiling really well. Um, so I live in a blue state, Washington, um, and I live on the western side of Washington. So it's it's fairly blue. You know you know which way it's going to vote. It's it's pretty much a lock. Uh, the state is never up for grabs in any presidential election, and the senators are always Democratic. Um, even in a year like this, where earlier in the year, uh, when polls were a little more uh, dangerous for Democrats, I mean, uh, Patty Murray is in no threat of losing her seat um it doesn't matter how huge a red wave is going to be she's going to get reelected. like it's it's not even a question <laughs> it really isn't um and i wish that wasn't the case uh because it gives you know uh senators and congress people carte blanche to vote however they want because they know there will be no repercussions um so i kind of dislike that but anyway uh, I live in this blue state. I don't see a lot of pro-Trump stuff. Um, but when you do see it, it stands out. I mean, like huge. And I'm not... The, the stuff that angers me isn't the typical, you know, um, they have the uh, Amaga hat or even the, um, you know, Trump 2020 or Trump 2024, uh, we're now starting to see a few bumper stickers like that. Those don't anger me. I mean, me personally, I don't like projecting to the world who I'm voting for. I, I, yeah, that's, that's just not me. Um, I, I tend not to want to make a huge, you know, light bulb around everyone and project to everyone what I am. I mean, I'm pretty obvious. You can look at me and tell what I am and who I am. Um, you know, I, I'm an open book. It, it doesn't bother me, but I still don't want my car labeled with this stuff. Uh, no, the things that bother me is the, uh, the let's go Brandon, or in some cases they don't even hide it. The fuck Joe Biden stickers, um, the very out and open, you know, uh, pro gun you know, and, and I'm not talking an NRA sticker. I've seen some stuff where it's it's a picture of the AR-15, and to me that's it's it's very it's problematic at best. Okay, you you are not putting a picture of an AR-15 out there because you like the AR-15. You are putting a picture of an AR-15 onto your car because you know that that is the weapon that the left really wants to get rid of, and I think for very good reasons. It is the chosen weapon of people who murder children. And, you know, racists who go into Walmarts and grocery stores aiming for minorities. Uh, that is their preferred weapon, is the assault rifle. This military-grade weapon that doesn't kill people, it destroys them it mutilates them um really <laughs> uh it, it is it is a machine that was always intended for the battlefield 
and never intended for civilian use. You can't convince me otherwise. But, you know, when, you know that when you're putting that picture there, your intent is not to show support. You're not, if you want to show support for gun rights, you could just say second, you know, pro second amendment. You could put an NRA sticker on your car. You know, that is supporting gun rights. When you're doing that, you are sending a message. You are doing that intentionally to trigger, to piss someone off. You are signaling to the world that you are daring someone to challenge you. And that bothers me because for some reason it is beholden to us, the people in the center and the people on the left, to be the better human being, to not engage with those people. Even though they are putting out their information, they're not just putting out that they're dissatisfied with the president. They're literally putting out, let's go, Brandon, fuck Joe Biden, you know, AR-15s, here to go, you know, take my gun from my cold, dead hands. I mean, they want you to be offended to the point that you do something. And the reason they want that is because they know that if we put hands on them, they'll just sit back and be like, oh, well, freedom of speech. You know, I can do whatever I want. I can say whatever I want, and you can't touch me. Because freedom of speech ends where the beginning of my fist and the beginning of your nose meet. That's where freedom of speech ends. The law is very clear on this. Okay. It's very clear. And, and this is, in most cases, a good thing. Um, you want a society where people are free to express themselves and not have to fear reprisal for it. And I find that to be a little difficult in the age of fascism that we are in. Um, I keep asking the question, <clears throat> when has fascism ever been defeated with an olive branch? Because historically, I can't find a single example when these people arrive in history. There have been attempts at offering an olive branch pardoning an individual, releasing them from prison, uh, giving them a ceremonial title. And the only thing that happens is they end up seizing more power and inflicting more pain on the world. The only time fascism has ever been defeated historically in kind of modern times is unfortunately with violence. That is extremely dangerous to know that there are a lot of people right now in this country who will not stop until they're dead. Ever. <laughs> and that's very sad because I love human beings and I think we should love each other and, and fix it. But once fascism gets into your brain and poisons you, it does not let go. You know, the Nazis didn't go away after World War II. They went into hiding. There aren't, there's no such thing as a reformed Nazi. They are Nazis through and through. And you can say, oh, Kyle, well, there were the good Germans who went along. Yeah, they went along. There's no such thing 
as a good Nazi. That is not true by any stretch. I always say, you know, if I'm marching for a cause and I look around and somebody's swinging a swastika marching along with me and supporting it, at a minimum, I'm rethinking my situation. And you have to question these things because fascism is very insidious and clever, actually. There were KKK groups in the during the civil rights era that purposefully tried to get black families to move into white neighborhoods. They made it happen. They wanted it to happen. They promoted it. Specifically because they knew the backlash. They wanted the story. They wanted a message sent. Look, black people, don't move into our neighborhoods. Look what happened to so-and-so. This is documented. This is known. This is how they operate. So you have to be very careful when it comes to racists and fascists as to their whole mentality. Why we do things matters. Especially when it comes to things like oppression and racism and all that. I was reason, recently thinking with all the, the news about, you know, Mar-a-Lago being served a search warrant and all these different cases seem to be closing in around Donald Trump and his inner sphere. And I was thinking, okay, it's closing in. And I realized, you know, a lot of people, especially on the left, are going to be ecstatically happy and joyous if they ever got their Trump in an orange suit being perp-walked, handcuffed, found guilty, locked up, and they would be happy, they would be joyous. And it's really difficult for me to say, but that's not what we should be feeling in that moment. So I tell my kids at sporting events, you don't have to clap, but it's never okay to boo. And now I've got to apply that to myself in the political sphere, the political spectrum. And at first I was like, well, who cares if I'm happy that Donald Trump gets arrested, that his life is ruined, that his family is completely wrecked, that they're all going to be poor, has been nobody's. They're finally going to have to see how the rest of us live, right? Or better yet, they're in prison too. Lives ruined. And the question came up to myself, you know, can vengeance and justice go hand in hand? What if vengeance, which is to see this Trump family completely and totally destroyed, just happens to be justice at the same time? The Justice Department uses due process. Uh, judges, lawyers, a jury of their peers finds them guilty. They go to prison. Their billions washed away, seized, assets seized, lives ruined. And yeah, it makes me happy, but also, you know, hey, justice, right? But I have to keep reminding myself why we do things matters. 
Because if we found out that the only reason that the Justice Department was looking into the Trump family was because they would feel good doing it, well, that changes things. I mean, I'm just a spectator, so you can make the argument that my feelings don't count. I mean, I'm not going to affect Donald Trump being arrested one way or the other. I don't have access, knowledge, or any kind of connection to the cases at all. So who cares if me, Joe Civilian, uh, you know, derives pleasure from somebody else's pain? But what if I found out that Merrick Garland and the lawyers prosecuting Donald Trump right now were also of the same mind? That they're not just going after him because he's a criminal. They're going after him because they hate him. Because they want that joy watching him suffer. Well, that changes things. We need our prosecutors in our Department of Justice to be non-biased. Or at least as non-biased as possible. Obviously, human beings are always biased, but... At a bare minimum, you want it to where you can't tell. That's why there was a huge deal with uh, those FBI agents who were texting each other back and forth a while ago. That's why they were removed from the Mueller investigation. It's like, dude, you put this shit in writing. <laughs> you can't be here anymore. <clears throat> it doesn't matter, you know, how good your work was. But ultimately, there's this other you know, dream that the left has. And I think everybody wants it. Even the right wants it for their enemies. Okay, so you don't just want your enemy to be defeated. You want them to admit that they were wrong. You want them to have that realization, like, oh my God, the deathbed confession or whatever. You know, you want them, you want them to say they're sorry. You want them to acknowledge that they personally had screwed up and put themselves in that situation. And one thing I need to remind you all is Donald Trump and his family are hardcore narcissists. Okay? No amount of them being found guilty, friends abandoning them, bank accounts emptied, will ever convince a narcissist that they are at fault for their own situation. That is not how the disease works, and it is a disease. Now, I'm not saying have sympathy for these people because they have harmed so many millions of Americans and so many millions of people across the planet with their narcissism. But it is a brain dysfunction. There is no pill you can give to fix this. There is no treatment for it. Because they would never even take it. <clears throat> if you offered Donald Trump a medicine, and say he was even not anti-pills, right? Like, like, let's say this was, you know, a, a magic pill that could cure narcissism. And you offered it to Donald Trump or any of his family members, they would all say no. Because nothing's wrong with them. They would never go to therapy to fix their narcissism because, again, they don't need to go to therapy. They're narcissists. There's nothing wrong with them. Anything bad that happens is someone else's fault. They're not stupid. They don't make bad decisions. Other people do. Other people are to blame. Their lawyers suck. 
That's why they're in prison. The jury was against them. That's why they're in jail. The The prosecution was out to get them. The judge hated them. The, you know, uh, Mike Pence didn't fight hard enough. The Republicans didn't defend me enough. You don't understand. There will be no deathbed confession ever, no matter how hard it gets, from Donald Trump. You could actually go medieval on his ass, you know, tear off fingernails and toes and seriously blowtorch and a pair of pliers on him. And he will never, ever admit that he was wrong, that he did anything. He will go to his grave believing, honestly believing, that everything bad that ever happened to him was the fault of someone else. That is how narcissism works. They have a huge case of it. They will never have a, there will never be that cathartic moment for the left or anyone who dislikes this man. It's just not coming. You can punish him and pound him into the dirt. He will never admit wrongdoing, ever. Ever. You're not getting that. The best you can hope for is that justice prevails, you know, if he did if he committed crimes, that the courts find him guilty and that he is given a, a prison sentence that is along the lines of whatever crimes he is found guilty of. That's it. But you are never going to get any of them, okay? Ever. Ever. The best you're going to get is once Daddy Trump dies, once, once Donald is dead... You may have Ivanka or Eric or Don Jr. or even Baron a few years from now. Or Melania because she's not blood related. And they'll all come out and they might throw him under the bus. But they won't be doing it because he was a narcissist um, and he made bad decisions. They'll be doing it because they're narcissists too. It's self-preservation. Again... This disease is going to carry on. Everything bad that happens to Ivana, Ivanka Trump is because other people did bad things to her, including her father. She will throw him under the bus. His kids will throw him under the bus. After he's gone, when he's no longer a positive for them, he will be thrown under the bus. I guarantee you, as soon as he's gone... At least one of them is going to write a tell-all story that completely demolishes him because it'll make them money. It'll get them interviews. People will talk about them. In fact, the Republican Party might rally around that person and be like, see, we have finally removed Donald Trump from our, you know, clenches. He's gone. He no longer controls the party. Long live Eric Trump. Okay, that's how this disease works. That's how their dysfunction works. There's not going to be that cathartic moment for you. So where does that leave us? Where does that leave me? What kind of show do I want to have? Because I can embrace the, you know what? Fuck these MAGA idiots. We need to go out. We need to be marching. Histor historically, the only option to end this is with violence. So maybe we need to like start challenging these assholes. Maybe if every time we saw one of these bumper stickers that goes too far, we take a baseball bat to their windshield. Maybe if they're punished for their fascism, for their racism, for their outright terrorism, 
then maybe they'll stop. You know, love thy neighbor? My neighbor wants me dead. I mean, you do have to realize the end game of fascism is to kill your enemy. Like, that's why fascism always ends in violence. One way or the other is because the end game to fascism is killing. We saw the beginnings of it with Trump and what he did at the border. But it never ends there. It can't stop there. Fascism, I mean, look at, uh, look, look at, look at Russia, for Pete's sake. Somebody that Trump looks up to is Putin. Well, he routinely has journalists, free speech advocates executed. I realize right now that my podcast is putting a flag on if Trump ever regains power and, like, really decides to go full-on, you know, fascism. I could be in danger. Anybody who listens to the podcast could be in danger. That's the world we live in. And again, it's not usually the anti-fascists who start the violence So as far as my whole existential crisis as to what this show wants to be, there is a part of my lizard brain that very much wants the conflict. Like, how dare you be so disrespectful in public to everything I believe in? And your intent is not to sway me. Your intent is not to push your agenda onto people. Your intent is to anger me, to cause anxiety, to cause rage. You want me just as bitter and angry as you are. That's your goal. You wear these things and you wrap yourself in the American flag and the Constitution and the First Amendment and the Second Amendment and are like, yes, I can say whatever I want, so fuck you. And the law protects them. Because again, if I punch any of these assholes, no matter how offensive their t-shirt, their hat, the bumper sticker on their car is, I am at fault. I am. There is no recourse against somebody who wants to, sit, wants to wear a Let's Go Brandon or a Fuck Joe Biden hat. It is incumbent on me and all of us to just sit there and take it. To acknowledge they're there and I can't do anything about it. That is very frustrating. It is extremely angering to know that there is this loophole in democracy, in freedom, that allows bigotry and hatred and basic assholery to exist out in public where everyone can see it and they are proud of it. And it shouldn't shock me. There are marches in history of people wearing their white robes and nobody could do anything about it. The police supported them protected them from the angry mobs of black people. And I guess the real big problem is, that's still the case today. Black Lives Matter? Well, Kyle Rittenhouse gets a pat on the back and shoved right into it. 
But if MAGA marches Charlottesville, police are there to stop us. It's that extreme unfairness that we all live in right now. And knowing the outcome, the eventual outcome, a third of this country wants to kill the other third. And the final third is going to sit by and let it happen. This only ends one way, and it doesn't end with the prosecution and arrest of Donald Trump. Trump is here to stay. MAGA is here to stay. Fascism doesn't die because the leader went away. If Hitler died six months before he ended up killing himself in that bunker, Nazism would not have died. It would have just picked a new leader. Right now, the popular choice is this Ron DeSantis fellow. I'm not 100%. This guy is not ready for prime time. But you can already see. Because the problem with the Republican Party isn't that they're beholden to Trump. They are beholden now to the MAGA fascist movement. The problem the Republican Party has is that Trump is such a narcissistic, toxic figure. They know it. They want somebody who can grab a hold of that MAGA energy, that pro-fascism thing, but without all the baggage and the stupidity of Trump. They want a fascist they can defend easier. So they're not going away anytime soon. This is a very dangerous moment in American politics, and regardless of right now, a lot of people are very uh, bullish on the Democratic Party winning the midterms, which was not the case six months ago. It's, it's not going away. The Republicans aren't looking to purge Trump. They're looking to purge the stupid so that they can get a more passable version of Trump. Kevin McCarthy is sadly the best they've got in defense of, uh, instead of Lauren Boebert, Marjorie Taylor Greene, or half a dozen others, uh, becoming Speaker of the House if the Republicans regain control. And that's pretty sad, because Kevin McCarthy's an idiot. They're not trying to fix themselves they don't want to purge themselves like i keep seeing this thing from the never trumpers the the the, the former republicans they keep posting you know, they keep hoping maybe maybe <laughs> trump will get arrested go away and the republicans you know will will finally they, they could have done it right with the two impeachments they could have picked one of those impeachments and just gotten rid of him that would have been it, right? You only needed 16 senators. They could have done it. They could have rid themselves of him. At the end of the day, you have to understand, they don't want to rid themselves of him. Not really. They like what he's done. They love what he's done with the place. They hate him. They're like, can we just get rid of Donald? We'll take Ivanka. She's the, she's the Donald Trump light, right? She's the pretty face, the, the shinier penny. 
just as narcissistic, just as crazy, just as evil as her dad. But she's not tweeting out crazy bullshit. She's less likely to stand on a podium across from Putin and take his word over the American agencies. You know, she's probably not stupid enough to, uh, to take top-secret information and put it in her private home. So as far as this show, as far as what I want it to be, you know, it would be very cathartic and happy. I, I, would, I would derive joy from being the kind of person who says, yeah, when you see a MAGA idiot, confront him, challenge him, punch him if necessary. Violence is the answer. And I could even justify it again. Historically, that is true. No one has been able to point and point to any moment in time where fascism was defeated uh, with a really good speech. You know, words don't cure these people. You might be able to get one, right? There's always that one. And that usually happens when you separate them from the rest of the MAGA herd. You know, you make friends with them. You can, you can talk to people. It's that it's that classic line from, from, you know, Men in Black. A person is smart. People are irrational and dumb. That, that mob mentality happens very quickly. That's why I tell my kids don't boo. Booing can lead to some really bad shit very quickly if you're not careful, which is why I don't advocate booing of any kind. I'm like, hey, you know, applaud. Tonight, when the Seahawks go to play Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos, I will applaud if they sack him. But I'm not going to be applauding that he got hit. I'm going to be applauding that my defense did its job. Why we do things matters. If you're the one sitting there applauding and you're like, yeah, fuck Russell Wilson for leaving us, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. You're a bad human being in that moment. And it's the same thing with the Trump family and everything else. I'm going to applaud the DOJ if they put together a very good case and they end up winning it. I'm going to applaud the judge for doing their job. I'm going to applaud the lawyers for doing theirs. I'm going to applaud the jury for coming to a decision that I agree with. But I am not going to applaud the fact that his life is ruined. Because it won't do anything. And I think that's where we need to be politically as a country. I'll do my best to avoid the violence, but I do believe it is coming and there's nothing I can do about it. I'm going to try. I'm going to join the chorus of people who are constantly trying like hell to avoid this. But I believe it is coming. And I don't think anything I can say can change it, but I have to try. I've read far too many books about war, real, honest-to-God war, not the propaganda, the real shit. I have served in the military. I didn't see anything there, but I did see the people I was serving with. And I can tell you, young, impressionable teens and 20-somethings, we'll go to war for the wrong reasons, just like they always have historically. 
the rings of freedom and patriotism will echo through their ears as they go to boot camp and then go to the battlefield and find out it was all bullshit. But by then it's too late. Their friends are dead and they're under heavy fire. I have seen and heard too much to be in support of war. And this civil war that the MAGA right keeps saying they want, they don't want it. They think they do because they don't know. They really don't. First, they assume that it's going to be easy. Remember, everyone, even the experts, okay, the Pentagon, agreed. Putin was going to destroy Ukraine inside of 72 hours. Ukraine's going to roll over and die. Everyone thought that. Right now, news today, Ukraine is kicking their ass and Putin is actually got a little tiny maybe threat of a coup it's it's a rumor it's very small but i'll tell you what six months ago there were no rumors like that every single war starts with the provo provocateur usually thinking this is going to be easy Two of the greatest armies ever assembled in human history, France and Germany, right before World War I, were so confident, they both thought this will be over in a matter of days. It didn't matter that they were facing down the juggernauts that they were. They thought it would be easy. And that's what the MAGA right thinks right now. This is going to be easy. That's why they think it. And always that classic, oh, it's not going to happen to me. Their kids aren't going to die. They're not going to die. They're not going to suffer anything. Their homes, their property, they'll still go to work like everything else because unfortunately, thanks to the way the last couple wars the United States has been involved in, when war happens, it happens on TV. It doesn't happen here. So they have no real idea of what war looks like. So I've got a fight. So this show, uh, from here on out, uh, will be daily and it's going to fight the urge for violence we're going to be pro-human we're going to appeal to our better nature to our better selves we're going to fight like hell to prevent more fighting violence begets violence is a very real and serious thing. It has not been disproven ever. Violence begets violence until no one is left alive. We can make the choice to stop it. I'm going to try and make that choice, and I hope you join me in it. Thank you very much. Uh, I appreciate you guys listening this far. It's uh, been a long one. I know the second 
segment here was uh, pretty rambly and crazy and long, uh, but I hope you guys forgive me on that one. Uh, as always, you can reach me on email. You can contact us on Twitter and Facebook. We have our own pages and everything else. Uh, I do check those things. If you guys send in an email or a message or something and request that it be read on air, I usually can accommodate that. Uh, I would love some feedback. Is this the kind of show that you guys want? Not that it's going to stop me. You know, I'm here for me. And try to remember this is a one-man show. I don't have a team. I don't have anything. I do all the writing, the research, uh, the talking. This is all my home personal computer, my own microphone. I don't even have a friend <laughs> helping me on this. So it's, uh, it's just one guy and a computer and a microphone. So just keep that in mind. Uh, I do the best I can as far as production value is concerned, but, you know, there are limitations. Thank you guys very much. Uh, have a great day. Be safe, of course. Mask up if you can. Please get the shot. It's just silly. And we'll see you tomorrow.